The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars Popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. St. Patrick I am Patrick, a sinner, most unlearned, the least of all the faithful, and utterly despised by many. My father was Calpornius, a deacon, the son of Petitus, a priest of the village Bernavum Tiberniae. From this place, when I was about sixteen, I was taken into captivity to Ireland, along with many thousands of people. At that time, I did not know the true God because I had turned away from him and did not keep his commandments and did not obey the priests who used to remind us of our salvation. But in Ireland, as I tended the sheep of my master, the Lord opened the sense of my unbelief that I might at last remember my sins and be converted with all my heart to the Lord my God. And now, in my old age, although I am imperfect in many ways, I nevertheless wish my brethren and kinsmen should know what sort of person I am, so that they may understand my heart's desire. I had been in Ireland six years, when one night a voice called out in my dream. Soon you will go to your own country. See, your ship is ready. I took flight, and after walking many days in the strength of God, I came to a place where a ship was about ready to sail. I went to the captain who was trying to quiet a pack of Irish wolfhounds. Down, down, boy. Now, what would you be howling about? Come, Give me your head, I'll scratch behind your ears. 
Uh, that's it. Well, who are you and what do you want? Uh, the name's Patrick, and I'd like passage. I can't pay my way. Well, it's plain to see you're not Irish. That I am not. Where are you from? Uh, some 200 miles to the west and north of this place. Well, you might be useful at that. My men are afraid of these savage beasts, and you seem to have a way with them. They're not used to the sea and more frightened than they are anything else. Uh, I'll take you on, and you'll earn your way by taking care of the hounds. It's a fair bargain. I accept. Uh, not so fast. There's something you forgot. Oh, and what can that be? Every man must fall on my breast as a token of obedience. Tis a heathen custom, and I'll have none of it. Oh, so it's a Christian yard. By the grace of God, who guided me to your ship. An escaped slave in the bargain, no doubt. There's no use asking to go along with us. Get off my ship. Very well. Get on with you. I quiet those brutes so you can hear me orders. Hey, lad. Lad, oh, lad, come back. Oh, oh, tis a gentle hand and a soft word you'll be needing to quiet them. Ah, you... You may come aboard. I'll come, but uh, you must know my God commands me not to worship as you do. Well, I'll take you on in good faith. Make friends with us in whatever way you like. And thus I had my way with them, and we set sail at once. After three days, we reached land, and for 28 days we traveled through deserted country, and they lacked food and were overcome with hunger. And on the next day, the captain said to me, uh, Tell me, Christian, you say your God is great and all-powerful. That is the truth. Why then don't you pray for us? As you can see, we're suffering from hunger. It's unlikely indeed we shall ever see a human being again. Be truly converted with all your heart to the Lord my God, because nothing is impossible for him, that this day he may send you food on your way until you are satisfied. For he has abundance everywhere. You know, the way you speak gives one the strength to go on. Ah, lad, but unless your God show his abundance soon, we shall starve. Men, men, we march on. The Christian says that this day we shall have food. Halt! The beast sees something. No, he smells it on the wind. Look, look, Captain! Is a herd of swine. Uh, loose the dogs. After the men. Patrick, give a hand. I'll start a fire. You gather more wood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You said this day your God would send food. Thank you, lad. But hurry on with the wood. The men will be back soon. Patrick, all the men are saying the same word. It was a lucky day when you came aboard. Here, they found some wild honey and want you to share it. Oh, thank you, Captain. It's offered up in sacrifice to Crom Cruick. The pagan idol? Take the honey, I'll not taste of it. And out of fear of God, I tasted none of it. 
We stopped for two nights and fully recovered our strength. And on our way, God gave us food and fire and dry weather every day. Until on the tenth day, we met people. I left the traders and made my way to Britain. And after suffering many hardships, was among my own people. And there in Ireland, Father... Every day I had to tend the sheep, and many times a day I prayed. The love of God and his fear came to me more and more. My faith was strengthened. My spirit was so moved that in a single day I would say as many as a hundred prayers, almost as many at night. And then this vision came that sent me home. Thank God, son. We feared we would never see you again. Home. How good it is to be back amongst those I love. To feel the warmth of this fire, sleep under clean linen, and to hear the talk of educated men. You never know how you miss these things until you've been with them no more. You have a strange way of talking, Patrick. As if there were silent music flowing under your words. Living amongst the Irish for six years, one picks up a bit of their language. All in all, it is a beautiful land, and the people have a great love for it. But not a land you want to see again. Never. And yet, I owe it no harsh word or thought, for there I found God. Then all the hardship you've been through, my son, was worth enduring. But now, we must talk about your future. Oh, there's nothing I would like better than to settle down here for the rest of my life. Then you can resume your education, and in the meantime, I'll see if I can arrange a suitable marriage. Uh. When I die, perhaps you can succeed me as deacon. Whatever you say, Father, I'll be guided by your advice. Well, now you're sleepy, son. Off to bed, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Patrick, for the last three weeks, I've been checking on suitable women. I think I've found just the one for you. Oh, you haven't spoken to her parents? Not yet, but we should lose no time, lest some other young man Father, should... uh, don't do anything just yet. But why, Patrick? After all, you've been away a long, long... The other night, Father, I had a vision. Yes? What kind of a vision? Well, I awoke in the middle of the night, and there was a man named Victoricus, coming, as it were... Out of Ireland, with countless letters. And he handed one to me, and... And, Father, I could read only the opening words, for my eyes then dimmed with tears. What did the letter say? Well, it began, the voice of the Irish. And it seemed at that moment that I heard their voice. Visions, my son, Thus are not did always. they cry out, as with one mouth. We asked thee, boy, come and walk among us once more. Father... So pitiful was that cry, it fair broke my heart. Well, not all visions are to be trusted now, son. It could have been a dream with no special meaning. In that, you may be right. And yet, I cannot forget so many thousands who were unbaptized and ignorant of God. And that, no doubt, caused you to dream. So it's not a true vision, you see. I just forget about it. One thing, sure. I've no desire to return to Ireland. But another night, whether within me or beside me, I know not. God knoweth. 
They called most unmistakably with words which I heard but could not understand, except at the end of the prayer, God spoke thus. He that has laid down his life for thee, it is he that speaketh in me. And Father, I saw God praying in me, and it was as if it were within my own body, and I heard him above me, that is, over the inward man. And I wondered and thought with myself who it could be that prayed in me. And he spoke, saying he was the Spirit, and so I awoke, full of joy. Father, I know now I must return to Ireland. But, Patrick, now you've suffered enough because of them. You said it was a pagan land. If you return, they will surely kill you. Then I shall die converting them to God. But don't you realize you will first have to become a priest, and that will take years. And don't forget the Irish took six years out of your I life. I will go into Gaul for my education for the priesthood. My son, I beg you to stay here. Now, you've just returned. Let others go. You may be sure in God's own time the church will send her missions to Ireland. But, Father, it's I they cry out for. Oh, I have only to look at you to know nothing I can say will change your mind. I must warn you there may be opposition to your mission. And if you are permitted, dangers unto death. But when do you wish to leave? In the morning. Then get yourself ready. I'll tell your mother and your sisters and all those who love you of your decision. And after I was ordained and sought permission to preach the gospel in Ireland, I was attacked by a number of my seniors who came forth and brought up my sins against me, and my unlearning was revealed for all to behold. But at the hour when I arose to defend myself, God put words into my mouth, and I spoke in my own behalf with boldness that was not of me but of him. Your grace... And fathers, as cause for proceeding against me, it's found after 30 years that as a boy of 15, in the anxiety of my troubled mind, I confided to my dearest friend what I had done in my boyhood because I was not strong. I did not believe in the living God, nor did I so from my childhood, but lived in death and unbelief until, until I was severely chastised and really humiliated by hunger and nakedness, and that daily. On the other hand, I did not go to Ireland of my own accord, not until I nearly perished. But this was rather for my good, for thus I was purged by the Lord, and he made me fit so that I might be now what was once far from me, that I should care and labor for the salvation of others, whereas then I did not even care about myself. Now, as to my lack of education... To my deep regret, I know not too well my Latin, but I do know and speak the Irish language. And if one is to reach the heart of the Irish, if one is to teach them the gospel, it will have to be in their mother tongue. Let us first win them to Christ and teach them Latin later. And God did not frustrate the journey upon which I had decided and the work which I had learned from Christ, my Lord. He must have heard my prayer, so that I, in the last days, dared to undertake such a holy and wonderful work, thus imitating somehow those who, as the Lord once foretold, 
would preach his gospel to the end of the world. And arriving in Ireland, I went to Tara, the great hall of Larry Heike. Welcome to Tara. Peace be unto this house. What brings you to Tara? Because the High King of Ireland dwells here, and it's but fitting I should ask his gracious permission to move about in his kingdom. Though you speak our language, you are not born in Ireland. No, sire. But six years of my youth I spent in your beautiful, generous land and learned a bit of your language and your ways. Why do you wish to go about our kingdom? To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to save the souls of the people. Is it true, as I've been told, this man was nailed to a cross until he died, but three days later rose from the dead? It is the truth. High King, have nothing to do with this man. Send him away. Bolt the door and let me purify where he has stood. Now why would I be doing that to a man who forthright tells me what he wants and has the courtesy to call and ask me permission? High King, beware. He is one of whom we have been warned. Listen, Ad's head will come with his crooked-headed staff and his mitre for his head. He will chant impiety from his table in the east of his house. All his household will answer, Amen, Amen. When, therefore, all these things come to pass, our kingdom, which they call heathen, will not stand. I can make nothing of this. What is the meaning? Ad's head refers to the way my hair is cropped, out of memory of Christ, who was crowned with a circle of thorns. The crook-headed staff is this crozier, a symbol of my office, for we come as shepherds to gather the flock. And what is this long cloth with a cross at either end and a hole in the middle for the head to go through? It is the chasuble, the outer garment worn by the priest at the mass. It is when dressed in this they chant and many times make signs with their hands. He refers to the mass, the sacrifice of the new law, in which Christ, through the ministry of the priest, offers himself to God under the appearance of bread and wine. And the priest sings out of joy and sorrow for the frightful death and the glorious triumph over death. And then the household say, Amen, Amen, and by these words they put a curse on us. Not so, Druid. Amen means simply, so be it. And those who say it do so because they believe in Jesus Christ. Yet much of what the Druid says is true. If our coming has been foretold, then the Druid is blessed in that God has revealed it to him. And why should I grant you permission to speak to my people? If when these things come to pass, our kingdom will not stand. High king, not an inch of land will you lose, nor a single sheep. The kingdom that will fall is that now ruled by Krom Kruach, an idol of stone. And the kingdom of God will take its place. Do you say we should not worship Krom Kruach? You do evil in the sight of the Lord? Krom Kruach is an abomination. He lies! Man shall not fashion a graven image of the likeness of anything on heaven or earth before which he falls down in worship. I say this man should be put to death before he talks you out of your kingdom. Silence him. Be still, Druid. This man comes alone, unarmed, and in friendship, to tell us things we have heard about from others, but not from anyone with knowledge and the authority to speak. He is a magician with strange powers. But you are great magicians. What harm is there in letting him talk? But suppose some of the people believe him. How many do you think will believe that a man dead three days rose from his grave? Our people yearn to believe the impossible. And are more influenced by the mystery world than what actually happens from day to day. Well said, Druid. And that is what I shall talk about. The world beyond this world, where life is everlasting. 
and I shall tell people what they must do to enter into it. You speak boldly. It is not I, but the Spirit of God within me that speaks. You puzzle me. Divide my mind in two parts. Whether to grant or deny you permission to speak. Refuse him. And if I do that, will I always wonder if he speaks the truth? At some distant day will I say to myself, I wonder what would have happened had I let this man speak. You do well to look into the future, High King, to the far future. When you are no longer on this earth and your spirit has departed the flesh and you stand in judgment before your creator. There comes a time for every man when he must listen to new voices. To question the old and test them against the new. You may arouse the wrath of Crom Crook and rain down punishment on your kingdom. If I do not fear this man, why should our most powerful idol... This idol is made of stone, isn't it? Yes, inlaid with gold. The work of our finest craftsmen. But still, the work of man. If stolen or destroyed, another Crom Crook could be fashioned. Well, yes, but nothing can In destroy... In short, you worship something that was made by man. And since it is the work of man, you in reality worship yourself. And that is a foolish vanity. Would you dare utter these impieties in the presence of Crom Crook? It's not a question of bravery, Druid. It is a command from my lord. When do you go into Leitrim? Within the month, God willing. I shall meet you there and see that you make good your boast that you have no fear of Crom Crook. <laughs> man who comes from across the waters claims he worships one greater and more powerful than Crom Crook. Christian, where is this God of whom you speak? He is everywhere. That is the wonder of him. A sailor of the vast waters can pray to him and ask him to bring his ship safely to harbor. A shepherd on a lonely hill can pray to him. But you who worship Krom must come to this spot. You say this God is everywhere. Then let us see him. He is invisible because he is spirit. And his spirit dwells in every man alive. Even in all of you. But we can see our God. He's there before you. Krom the Lord of the hill. At Tara, you said it was wrong for us to worship Krom Dare you say it here? Crom Kruach is nothing but a stone figure. He was created by man, and he can be destroyed by man. My God can never be destroyed because he is spirit. He is like the air you breathe, in that you never see it, yet you would die without it. My people, don't be taken in by his soft words and his gift of speech. This man boasted a terror that he would show me that Crom Crook has no power. Boy, give me that hammer. What are you going to do? These abominations to God, I destroy. Run, run, run. Druid, they fled. Did you remain because you did not believe fire would rain from heaven? 
What I believe makes little difference. Now we shall have to kill you. But why? You have destroyed our power. Come with me. In the kingdom I offer you, there will be power and glory beyond your dreams. The power to save the souls of your people. People will listen to you when you stand there before the altar and chant the words to which they all will respond. Amen, so be it. Can you teach me these things? Yes. And you can teach them to others. You druids are the learned of Ireland. Join me, so that in the ages to come, you will be remembered and blessed for having been among the first to embrace Christianity. You, uh, you can't expect me to shed an old belief for a, a new in the twinkle of the eye. No, druid. All I ask is that you listen to the story of Jesus Christ with an open heart and mind. You may begin. I shall listen. I am very much God's debtor who gave me such grace that many people were reborn in God through me and afterwards confirmed, and that clerics were ordained from them everywhere for a people just coming to the faith. I pray those who believe and fear God Whosoever deigns to receive this writing, which Patrick, a sinner, unlearned, has composed in Ireland, that no one should ever say it was my ignorance if I did or showed forth, however small, according to God's good pleasure. But let this be your conclusion, and let it so be thought that, as is the perfect truth, it was the gift of God. I want to thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore, attend a retreat, Learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website 
at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.